I just closed the door and for two hours, I just packed up the office, but it was good because it gave me a chance just to sort of process. I'm an internal processor. And so it gave me a couple hours just to kind of like take it easy. I could cry if I needed to. I could get upset, but then I could also come back to, okay, what is truth? Welcome to the Walk Like a Champion podcast, where you will learn to walk like champions who are walking like the champion, Jesus Christ. He is the undefeated and unstoppable champion. Wherever you are on your faith journey, you are invited to tune in to today's conversation and take your next step. I am your host, Chad Simpson, and tonight's featured guest is Shelly Jadon. Shelly is in her first season as the head coach at the University of Kentucky. Prior to that, Shelly had nine years as a Division I head coach, with the last five being at James Madison, where she led her team to a national tournament berth in 2021. She was also coached at Middle Tennessee State, Michigan State, and Alabama, where she was a three-time team captain as a student athlete. In this episode, you will hear how she is building the family team culture at Kentucky, what it's like to be a mom and a Power 5 head coach, and how she responded to being let go at Alabama in April of 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to love hearing Shelly's courage and her heart for Christ and her players. So let's step into episode three of the Walk Like a Champion podcast. Shelly Jadon, it's uh it's a gift and a blessing to have you on the Walk Like a Champion podcast. And uh, you know, we're just trying to share faith-filled stories uh, of people within the tennis world. And um just want to throw it right to you from the beginning. But what does it mean for you, Shelly, to uh walk like a champion, to walk like Jesus and follow him? Gosh, thank you for having me. What a, a gift to be here um and to share with you. I hope that walking like Jesus and a champion for my life is ever growing. Um, I hope that it's always getting deeper. Um, I know more specifically for me over the past, I don't know, a few months or even year, a couple things that I've been focused on hoping that my life reflects are um, one, the fruits of the spirit. So I hope that when people interact with me, come in contact with me, that some fruit of the spirit is left at like, hmm, that was different or, oh, that's something that she represents or that we got from her. Um, I think um, being quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger things that I've always tried to be focused on, especially in this profession, um, making sure that those are qualities that I represent more recently. One thing that's really been on my heart is to make sure that I'm loving like Jesus. I think it's a day and a time where, um, you just look around and people seem to be hurting or to be angry or, um, to have views on something have to be polarizing. And it's like, you're here, you're here. And so, just it's really been important to me just to love people that, you know, to not get wrapped up in Twitter wars or social media stuff, but just to make sure that that I'm loving well, because I think that stands out right now in a time where two sides can't agree on anything or you have to be one way or the other. And so just to love people through through our differences. Yeah. Can't we just uh, keep it simple? Love, love God, love people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And um, just I know for you to be here in this spot, um, your your upbringing played a big role in that. And so just can you take us back, take us back to Enterprise, Alabama, <laughs> to young Shelly. Just what was it like? How would you get started playing tennis and uh, why did you stick with it? 
Yeah. So young Shelly, I have two older brothers. So we were into every sport. I'm a big sports family. My dad's a coach. Um, we jokes, my mom's a nurse and didn't, you know, wasn't into sports, but she probably knows the most about sports of any of us. You know, when she married my dad, she went all in. Um, so just a very sports oriented family. I think I played every sport growing up and, uh, my dad coached football at our local high school and they had, they didn't have anybody to coach the tennis team at, you know, one year. And so he volunteered. He's like, I can drive the bus and I can get him to their matches. He didn't know anything about the sport, but I think as he was exposed to it, he realized like, man, anybody can play this. Doesn't matter how big, small. And I was pretty small in stature at that time, probably around 10 years old. Um, so he thought it would be fun to give it a try and, it's the last sport I tried and it, it really stuck. Um, and we had a good time just with my dad. He ended up coaching the team for a few years. And so it was fun to be around the guys on the local high school team and kind of got into tennis in our community, which there wasn't a huge tennis community and enterprise, um, but we made it work and it was really fun to grow up playing tennis and enterprise. How, how do you think um, having two two brothers in the family, how do you think that influenced you? Oh, in every way. I mean, I think my greatest quality probably as a tennis player was my competitive spirit, my toughness. And that 100% comes from my two older brothers. And just, um, I'll never forget my middle brother. He He's an athlete as well. And he's an incredible competitor. But when I was just starting to play tennis, he was three years older, three and a half years older. So he was just a better athlete than I was. He couldn't play tennis either, but he could beat me. And I would leave the court crying, but it made me better because until I could beat him, I was going to leave the court crying and he loved it. Like he, he thrived on that. Um, so I had to get to where I could beat him and then shut him up. And so they helped make me the competitor that I was um, 100%. Nice. And then so from getting started with your dad, your coach, when you're, you're 10 or so to, uh, to go into university of Alabama, when, when did you see like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty good. Or when was the first time or like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of like a, a champion. I'm, I'm a winner here on the tennis court. You know, I don't know. It's so funny. So when I was 10, I just started playing tennis. Actually, at this time, I was not playing tennis. I was really big into gymnastics. Um, my dad took me to a gymnastics camp at Alabama and we were we stayed at a Hampton Inn. Um, we were eating breakfast and this young lady sat next to us. And it turned out it was her first day on the job as the women's tennis coach. And it was Jenny. No way. So we met in a hotel lobby at breakfast. And when we left, I told my dad, I'm going to play for her one day. Um, and so that same, that was in the summer, that fall, my oldest brother went to Alabama as a student and he worked um, with a football program for the next seven years. So from 10 until I went to college, we were going to matches. Um, it became something that I'm just going to do this. It's not an option. Um, I never looked at another school. I never considered another school. I didn't talk to another school. It was like probably being naive and just not knowing any better. It was like, I'm going to play tennis in Alabama, whether it's like, I didn't know if I was good enough or not. It's just what I was going to do. Um, and thankfully, I guess I was, you know, decent enough to have the opportunity. And so, um, yeah, really, I think unique story and situation of knowing my coach from when I was 10 years old and we kept in touch the entire time. Um, Jenny was, I mean, she became a part of our family. And so it was a really unique experience. Wow. That's crazy. That's, that's awesome to hear. Um, so you got this tennis background and, and also what, what role did faith play in, in your guys' home as you're growing up? Oh yeah. I mean, faith was everything. We were, you know, my parents, I, I'm so grateful for them, especially now being a parent, I realized the role of a parent a little more, you know, um, in depth now and just the the authenticity i think of their relationship and their relationships with the lord like individually and together as a couple um you know i 
my oldest brother, again, he went to college when I was 10. My, um, the next brother, he was involved in his own sporting activities. And so I got to travel a lot with my parents alone. Like we, I didn't really have a coach in enterprise after I was probably 12. And so my parents just sort of figured out what to do. My dad learned how to feed balls and, you know, we made it work, but they would always take me to tournaments. And so just created a really unique opportunity to spend time together in conversation, you know, with the music that we would listen to. Um, they just really helped grow my love for the Lord. I would say nothing was shoved down, down our throats as, you know, as children, and we weren't forced to do things. I just think the relationship that my parents had with the Lord was so genuine that it helped develop that in each of us as well. Um, our family was really tight and, you know, my brothers, they, they've influenced my walk as well with getting to watch what they've gone through and the experiences they've had. And, um, they've been great examples for me as well. So I have a, a seven-year-old daughter and, uh, just thinking about, uh, raising her and, and loving her well, but I'm curious that you've talked about your dad a few times as coach and also, you know, his individual walk with the Lord. I'm curious what, um, what did he do looking back to, um, help you feel feel loved and and secure as as his little little daughter. Yeah, just um, loving me as his daughter. Um, you know, and I think with that, it wasn't just always giving me what I wanted. Um, it was disciplining me, holding me accountable. He it's like he he wasn't my coach, but he learned to do things to help me practice. Um, and that probably was a healthy boundary is that it never was, oh, you're my tennis coach. He was always just my dad, whether he was maybe out there feeding balls. And, you know, there's there's little things I can laugh at now or we laugh at together. It's like we had a, a family friend who they had a tennis court at their home. So we were obviously so fortunate to sort of have that that resource. And so we had a ball machine and he would just randomly and this was to build mental toughness. But like, all right, you got to run to the end of their street and back. And I'm like, what? Like, no, I'm not doing that. But like yeah, you have to, or like, you better beat me and he'd take off running. And so just, I think the quality time that we got together, you know, just really getting to see him, whether we're in a hotel room or at our house, the first thing he's doing is spending time with the Lord. And then he's loving me in a way that reflects what he's reading and what he's learning. Um, same seeing the relationships that my parents had, their friends and what they what they were doing with their friends um, was highly impactful. So just just being a really good leader. My mom's always said, like, could have been the 13th disciple. And so we just really got to see him live out a, a life of faith, still doing that. Yeah, that sounds, that's awesome. It's for him to be pursuing God. And then it sounded like just, just quality time together. Uh, no matter yeah, what just being doing. present, I think, is a huge thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so keep going with your your journey. You you then get to go play for for Jenny at the University of Alabama, fulfill this childhood dream. Um, what was that like as you showed up there at the University of Alabama um, in regards to, to faith, finding ministries, and just kind of gelling with the team? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, honestly, it was. It was a dream come true. I loved every minute of it. I think as I got into my freshman year, it definitely was a priority to find a church and to find ministry opportunities that I could get involved with that would help me continue to grow and um, keep me grounded just with good community. Um, and I was fortunate to get connected with the FCA director that, you know, Alabama had on campus at that time, um, as well as the AIA director. And it was a really unique thing that the two joined together into ministry while I was there. And um, that was obviously highly impactful of just getting to, you know, one, just get started going to FCA and AIA and then becoming a leader there and getting to be a part of small groups and hosting small groups. And so, um, this became an opportunity not only to love my teammates, but then other athletes as well um, and try to take advantage of the opportunity that the Lord gave me to, to be at Alabama. 
in that way. Yeah, were were uh, within the team. Were you the only Christian on the team, or did you find some some other uh, girls to, to kind of push you in in your faith? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, probably a mix, a healthy mix. And you, know, my freshman year, there was a senior that was really strong in her faith, and um, probably looking back, I didn't know it, but also influential on in me going to Alabama, just knowing that she was on the team. Um, and then I think over the years, I had teammates I got the opportunity to share with and just to be an example to. And then um, later in my career, teammates that came along that were believers as well. And that was really neat to get to do that with them and um, be in small groups together to get to go to ultimate training camp together. Um, and you know, to this day, we're still, I think, impacting in um, each other's lives. That's awesome. That's awesome. What are a few lessons? Just uh, it's encouraging to hear about FCA working together. But um, as you as you look back, what are a few lessons that you remember that that they taught you as a, as a young Christian athlete? Yeah, one of the the biggest things that I still use today came from Ultimate Training Camp and came from Athletes in Action um, was having a focal point, and I I still use it when I coach. I used it as a player of just you know, having a focal point of something that I could always go back to in the heat of the battle when things are good, when things are bad and remembering like why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's from a competitor to a coach, to a mom, I'm doing it to glorify the Lord. And so, um, it was a nice little like heat check, if you will, in the moment, um, when I played as like a, a place in the net where I could form a cross. And then I also had a cross on my racket. Um, and I do the same thing now with the net, just trying to remember like, why I'm doing this and like keep me grounded and keep me focused as I go. So that's something that I learned as a college athlete that I still use today. Yeah. There's crosses everywhere on the, on the tennis court. If you're looking for them, <laughs> you can find them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Keep going then. So um, I'm curious for your journey. So you, you are a captain there at Alabama. And at what point did you then want to transition and become a coach? So I had um, I had a back injury during my career that at one point there was some difficulty trying to figure out what actually was going on. And so the fall of my junior year, I wasn't allowed to to lift, to run, to play, to practice. So I didn't do anything. It took a year to kind of diagnose this injury. And so um, the fall of my junior year, whenever we would go play, well, daily, I just I was hanging out. I was filling water cups. I was picking up balls. I was trying to serve in a way. And I think I learned what servant leadership really was all about by being on the sidelines. It was actually a special time. And then in tournaments, Jenny allowed me to coach. And I can remember I was sitting on a bench in Milwaukee um, with a teammate, Pauline. I can remember the exact match thinking, huh, I think I might like this. I think this is something I could do. And then I quickly followed that thought up with like, you're right. I would have no idea what to do. But I think that's where the seed was planted that Hey, this might be something you'd be interested in. And honestly, um, I went through the rest of that junior year, senior year, just sort of exploring. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't have something that was so evident and like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. So I went through my whole senior year. I promise every day someone asked like, oh, so what's next? What are you doing next? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. Um, and the day I got home, like I graduated, we finished our season. The day I moved home, I got an email from the women's tennis coach at Michigan State saying, hey, heard you graduated. You might be interested in getting into college coaching. Like you're interested in having a conversation like my assistant position is open. And it was like, it's neat to look back now. And it taught me that we can't always have the answers in the moment because that opportunity might not be open yet. So it's like as a senior in college, no one was going to talk to me about an assistant coaching position. Like I needed to be finished for that job to be open for it to be the right time. Um, and so I went, I went up to East Lansing for two weeks and helped her work tennis camp. And we got to know each other to see, you know, would it be a good fit? And 
it's like the writing was on the wall. I really felt like the Lord was like, this is where you're supposed to be. And this is what you're supposed to be doing. And I haven't looked back since. That's awesome. A wide open door there. What, what an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people can see from the outside, you can look at a resume or, or a bio. You can see, okay, Michigan State, uh, assistant coach here, head coach there. But can you kind of just take us through the behind the scenes of your what you see as your coaching journey from Michigan State um, all the way through to, to where you're at now? Yeah, gosh, probably there hasn't been one step that would be what I chose or how, you know, how I thought it would go. But every step has been exactly what I needed at that time um, and been a really special experience. People always ask like, oh, which one's been your favorite? And I'm like, I literally cannot choose because they were all wonderful. Um, Like moving to East Lansing, that challenged me in a way of moving away from home for the first time. It was so cold. I've never been so cold in my life, but but I learned things about myself and what I was capable of. And I think what's really special about my time there is that immediately got connected um, just through natural friendships that I already had with their Athletes in Action staff. And so immediately I had community and I had friends and that's who I did life with for the two, for the full two years I was there. But it taught me that you can coach and you can live out your faith at the same time. So it was a really good, I think, first job um, just in learning who I wanted to be as a Christian coach. And from there, I got head coaching experience, which um, I remember my first day on the job at Middle Tennessee, the uh, the AD, I, I went to his office and saw him and he was like, so how old are you? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty young. I was like 23 years old, you know, as a head coach, I had no idea what I was doing, but um, it just was an incredible opportunity, again, just to get to love girls and to to get head coaching experience to, I think, learn what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do things, um, but also a chance to do my master's. For two years, I did a master's program at Ohio University while I was at Middle Tennessee. And it's a time that I wouldn't have been able to do that at any other time. Like I was single, I was just coaching. And so that was just really unique and um, growing myself, challenging myself with that master's program while being a head coach and getting head coaching experience. And and then I did something I said I would never do, which I have learned not to say never. Um, I didn't think I would ever go back to Alabama as the assistant. I um, I don't know. I, did, I didn't want I didn't want being Jenny's assistant to ever affect our relationship. Um, but six years into coaching, that was what the Lord had for both of us. Um, and so off I went to be her assistant. And that was it really was a great experience. I mean, I loved my three years there. Jenny and I had the best time. Um, went through hard stuff together, went through good stuff together. I uh, met my husband there. So that was unique about Alabama. Um, we met in our first year and then got married our third year there. So that was a really fun. Um, two players actually are like, Shelly, you've got to meet this guy. You've got to meet this guy. So it was just fun for the team to be a part of that journey. Um, you know, and then after after three years there, the opportunity came for us to to move to Harrisonburg and to JMU. And I think it sort of was the, that is kind of the culmination of the whole journey. Um, being married, getting to go be a head coach, go start our own family, sort of like us go do our own thing and establish ourselves as a family. Um, so getting to have children at JMU and to really, yeah, JMU is so special. Just a place that gave me an opportunity and a hard time in my life. Um, getting to you know turn a program around or do things that, that program hadn't specifically ever done and just incredible relationships. It really felt like the culmination of the whole journey was at JMU. And then obviously now um, we're so grateful for this opportunity and hope to be good stewards of it. Unreal. It was really well, well said just to see some of those compartments and different stages of life. Um, 
could you could you just take us back and you can share as much or as little as you'd want but can you can you just take us back to how how things ended there at Alabama um just in regards to um what you'd hope hoped would happen and and then how it, it did end yeah so um I guess a bit of it, you could say it's an unfortunate ending, but um, things did end with Jenny choosing to to let me go. Um, and honestly, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, you know, I, I think when I went back to Alabama, she and I both had the same vision that, you know, Jenny, when Jenny chooses to retire, I'll be the next head coach there. And we talked about that. We dreamed about that. Like she would share that with people. And that was OK. It was OK to have those dreams and to think those thoughts. Um, but it just to know that's not what the Lord had for us. And that was okay. Um, you know, it's no secret. We had a lot of success in our three years, more on the individual level with players, didn't quite have the team success that we needed. And so a, a change needed, needed to be made. And like, sometimes that's life, like things just need to change or um, things have to happen maybe in a hard way to get to where, where God needs you. And so I think it was a very important time for my husband and I, one, to start our marriage off with something like that happened six months into us being married. And so um, I remember my dad asked my husband when he came to ask his blessing to to marry me, you know, are you willing to follow where her career leads? Because at that time, it just seemed like we might follow my career with coaching. Um, and he said, yes, I am. And so he put his money where his mouth was in a hard way, in a hard season. And so um, I think we learned, though, we can't just talk about our faith and live out our faith when things are good or when they're easy. We have to do that even when things seem hard. And so it it provided us an opportunity to continue to love people, to show how we would respond to something hard, because he also worked in the athletic department. And so it happened on a Friday and he had to go back to work on Monday and and keep his mouth shut and, you know, do his job. And um you know, represent Christ in a way that people would still want to follow the Lord, even in, when we see us going through moments like this. And so um, it actually ended up being a really special time in my life of just getting to really lean into God and um, go through that with Jared. And I mean, the Lord led us exactly where we were supposed to be. You know, and it's if I hadn't been let go, I never would have taken that job. And it's exactly what where we needed to be at that, you know, for those five years. And so it was the only way for God to get me where I needed to go. Yeah. How kind, how kind of, of God to, um, to allow you to go through that. And, um, yeah, I'm just thinking through, uh, you know, we all get bad news sometimes or things don't go our way. I'm, I'm thinking through like the hour after you, you walk away from that interaction or, or the weeks after, I'm just curious, can you share maybe a little bit about how you responded to that adversity and kind of yeah. advice, advice that you would give to people, um, when they do get an injury, a, a breakup, uh, receive bad news. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where the the quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger really came into play. Um, you know, Jenny and I had the conversation it was short. It was to the point and that was good. And I just um, my parents were both at work. Jared was at work. My brothers were at work. And so I thought, I don't want to upset anybody in their work environment. And so I just closed the door. And for two hours, I just packed up the office. But it was good because it gave me a chance just to sort of process. I'm an internal processor. And so it gave me a couple hours just to kind of like take it easy. I could cry if I needed to. I could get upset, but then I could also come back to, okay, what is truth? Maybe what does this do for me? How does this help me? Um, so I took two hours and I just packed up the office and um, spent that time with myself, you know, praying, crying, doing whatever I had to do in that moment. Um, 
the I, the funny part is the men's SEC tournament was going on at Alabama at this time. And so all around this office is just chaos and teams playing and people coming and going. And so um, I remember I just put some sunglasses on. I walked down on campus to my husband's office and intercepted him before he came to the courts to watch the Alabama men. Um, you know, we called my parents together and no joke. Their, the first words out of their mouth were, praise the Lord. And I, at the moment, it's not like what I wanted to hear, but I understood like, yes, like praise the Lord, even when it's hard or even when it's not what we think we want, um, his plan for us is good. And so um, I think that's what then led into just a sweet time of, you know, leaning on God and in the coming, because the job didn't come immediately. That happened in April. I got hired at JMU in July. So there was a few months there of just trusting God and spending time with him. And um, that was really special, actually. Thank you for sharing that. That's that's powerful. Uh, cool for your parents to respond that way to you and encourage <laughs> you. But uh, so then you guys end up getting the job at, at James Madison. You have five years uh, had un unprecedented success there. But what's your what's your favorite memory or what, what do you take away from uh, from your time with the, the team uh, there at James Madison? Uh, no doubt the relationships built. They're relationships that will last a lifetime. And, and that's because and I give my husband a lot of credit here. Before we left for JMU, he said, look, I don't want to go. We're not just going to go like job hopping. You know, we're going to move to JMU as if we're moving there forever. Like I want us to we're going to buy a house. We're going to put our roots down. We're going to live there forever. If something were to change, then great. But we're not going there with the intention of then going somewhere else and going somewhere else. Because um, just probably not the best way to live. And so we went, we bought a house immediately and we just, we got involved with the community. We made our friends, we got involved with our church. And um, I think it really influenced our time there to go in with that, that mindset. And and we were there forever. We loved it. We loved it. It's such a special place with incredible people. And, and the relationships are from people at church, from the players, obviously, um, but the administration, you know, the friends that we made through, it was through Jared's work, my work, our church. It just was like, the complete experience, um, in a way. I know a lot of, a lot of Christians, you know, they, they struggle and battle sometimes on what is God's will and should I go here, go there, um, after you're, you're crushing it there, James Madison, it seems like everything's thriving. Um, and then this opportunity at Kentucky uh, opens up. So walk me through that process of, of you and Jared praying through that and deciding to end up uh, taking the job. Yeah. Um, honestly, it was sort of a whirlwind. Obviously, we knew the job open and, you know, while in our time at JMU, different job opportunities had sort of come and gone. And so we knew that's just part of the coaching cycle. Um, we always we always looked at it as, you know, God, God's not just going to like bring everything to us at times like we have to put ourselves out there to know if it's God's will or to know if it's what God has for us. And there's nothing wrong with putting yourself out there and that door closing. Like we appreciate that answer from God too, because then we know and there's clarity. And so um, I think with Kentucky, it obviously was a job that, you know, we would have interest in, in the SEC, closer to home, um, have personal connection just with my dad having played football here. You know, I grew up a Kentucky fan in that regard. And so I always thought it would be special to coach where he played, you know, in a place that gave him so much to be able to give back. And so, of course, it was a place that we had interest in, but, um, you know, the job opened, Time went by and just thought, eh, maybe it's not the right thing. We'll keep loving JMU and stay here. And then, um, gosh, it might have been like a Wednesday around lunchtime. I randomly got a call from a Kentucky number, let it go to voicemail, thinking probably spam. And <laughs> um, 
listened to the voicemail actually like hours later and it was Kentucky calling saying, Hey, got your name, any interest? Like, if so, give us a call. And so, um, 24 hours later, I was named the head coach here. And so, um, but looking back at, you know, different opportunities that had maybe come or presented themselves earlier in our time at JMU, it just was so evident that this was the place for us because of the leadership here and the Christian leadership here at Kentucky. And so, um, again, you want the right time, the right place with the right people. And so a lot of jobs or situations can seem attractive, uh, but we just try to be really faithful and like, is it what God wants? Like, is it where God can use us? Is it where he can grow us? You know, trying to have that, that mindset as we, you know, entertain jobs throughout the years. And this just really, um, checked all the boxes. So now you're coaching power five at Kentucky and, uh, you know, obviously your faith is really important to you. What's, uh, what's that like? How's, how's your coaching different because you, you're following Jesus. Hmm. I think just with the way I love and lead the players and the staff or interact with people. Um, yeah, I think it's very easy to be emotional in coaching. You know, there's a lot of highs, a lot of lows every day. You kind of don't know what to expect or what's coming. Um, but I think I can approach things pretty level every day just because of where my focus is and my perspective on Christ. And that's how I'm trying to impact players. I love tennis. Tennis is not, you know, my number one passion in life. Um, the girls are and the people that I'm around. And so tennis is the avenue, but the avenue is to love them like the Lord does. Um, you know, I always, I hope that my players leave better people than when they came to play for me. And so um, I think that is what makes my coaching different. When, when you get the team together in that first huddle or, or all fall as you're trying to build build this new team culture, what have you been emphasizing to them? What's been your kind of uh, culture that you're trying to build, the, the top message that you're preaching to them? Yeah, everything's about family. Um, yeah, I think that's a little bit different for this program. And, you know, we break down what family is. The F is for faith, the A is for attitude, on down the line, me, integrity, love, and YOLO. And, um being an example of what that is, people often ask me, like, how do you make both work, the family life and this this sort of work life? And it's the answer is they're they're one in the same. Like they cannot, they don't coexist, they exist together. Like our team is a part of our family and my family is a part of this team. And so that is what we have, you know, preached and we work on and we practice. It's not just something we talk about. We try to give opportunities um for the players to learn those things. And it it really has been special. This is a group that they're incredible girls. They've been so welcoming and I'd say sponges to to everything we've tried to implement and bring this fall. I love that you are talking about integrating family with team and just making it one and the same. And, you know, if we're going to talk about two of the, the hardest jobs in, in the world, number one, co- coaching is is very challenging. And, and obviously seeing now what my wife has to do as a mom, I'd say mom, mom has to be right up there as well. Uh, but yeah, how, how uh, what's that really like to 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 coach at the highest level and also be, be mom? Yeah, I know. Great question. Uh, I feel like I'm mom at both places. So (laughs) that role doesn't ever really have to change, but I consider it a huge responsibility um, to be an example for the players. I think most of my players want to, at least they have an aspiration maybe to have a career or to be a wife or to be a mom. And so every day I get to live out what all of those look like. Um, And so I just, I don't know, again, it's, it's just all, it's just what I do every day. I just sort of show up and uh, love the girls here. They know that then I go home and I take the coach hat off, put the mom hat on. And some days that's at the same time having to do both. If 
someone's sick or something's going on, or um, these girls recognize that, hey, my, it must be hard to to leave the the guys behind, you know, pretty frequently. And so I think the team is very understanding and enjoying being around, you know, my family and seeing what it's like to to be a mom with a career and um, how to prioritize those things that, you know, and that changes throughout the year. There's different times require different, different things. And I think it's fun for them to see Jared too, because, you know, they, they want to have a spouse one day, they see how that works together and the role the spouse has in your career and in supporting your career. So that's really special too. That's a huge way to impact uh, the next generation is just for them to see godly marriage and see a family working together uh, in one direction. And, um, you know, obviously coaching is a depleting uh, sport and, um, you know, family life too, but just curious, some of the, the weekly or daily rhythms that you have that, that are kind of filling up your cup so that you can continue to, to outpour like you're doing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think that changes is depending on sort of the season of life. Um, and honestly, this team has been something that has filled my cup um, to see their faces every day, the smiles on their faces. Um, we have a group of girls that are like really pursuing their faith. And so that has inspired me and challenges me to make sure, you know, I'm doing my my part. And especially as a transition, I think it can be easy in big seasons of like a transition to to lose the priority of still seeking the Lord. And so that has, from the moment we got here, been something that I got to make sure I'm doing my part, because if I'm going to be an example to them who are pursuing the Lord, then I need to be doing the same. And so that's really been fun. And, you know, for me, I think it changes at some parts of the year. I know I need to get up at 5 a.m. and spend my time with the Lord before the day gets started, because once the day starts, there's no telling what direction it goes in. Um, For me, it's, you know, the music that I listen to can really impact my day. It can just be one song. I love the Bible app because it's so simple. Um, you know, I might maybe have five minutes, but get that five minutes in because that verse or that can change my perspective on the day or how I impact somebody or talk to somebody. So um, I definitely have to be purposeful and intentional in setting time to, you know, spend with the Lord because um, the days are a little crazy. I bet. I bet. That's so good. And just um, as, as we conclude, I'm just curious, just, uh, in our walk with Christ, I'm curious if you individually or you and Jared, if you guys are, are sensing any kind of next steps as you're going to continue growing in, in your walk, anything that you're you're sensing that's coming next? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think definitely probably our involvement in our church here. So like as we have found a church, now let's do our part, whether that's with the little with the middle school you know, opportunity or, you know, whatever it is in our church of us at, together leading a small group, whatever it is, but making sure that we're um, giving back to our church as well. So that's something we've talked about or like praying through individually to see, you know, what are those next steps? Um, <clears throat> the big challenge is this team wants to go on a mission trip. And so that's definitely a next step of taking on that journey with our team. We're going in June to the Dominican Republic. And so that's something that obviously we'll have to prepare for and um, will be a huge, unique opportunity. So that's definitely a huge next step of going on that kind of journey with our with our group of girls. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, we just like to end in a time of prayer. Is there anything else that we can be be praying with you guys? I heard uh, the church involvement going to the Dominican Republic. That's uh, that's so cool. I'm sure your team's going to bond uh, and, and be impacted so much. And obviously, you'll you'll have a great impact down there. But yeah, anything else we can be praying for you guys uh, about? I just love the girls well as, you know, obviously get into the, the more competitive part of the season and just keeping perspective is who knows what the spring will bring, but just keeping that, you know, Christ-centered perspective as we go through our first season here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's let's pray. 
Father, um, we just uh, call on your name, and uh, it's the name above every name. And Lord, we we just thank you, God, for the gospel that that saves us, that changes us. Uh, thanks for Jesus coming to earth and, and taking our place, uh, taking our sin and our shame and our guilt and, and giving us life. Uh, it's a trade that, that we want to accept, God. And uh, thanks, God, for Shelly, the work that you've done in her life. Thanks for her godly parents that influenced her. And God, we just pray for her and Jared right now, God. Uh, pray for their, their church involvement. We pray for this missions trip to Dominican. And God, just help Shelly continue to love her girls well and continue to be a bright light to all of uh, the College Tennis Arena. We pray this all in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. It was so great to hear more of Shelly's story. And man, what a great leader she is. I know there are a lot of solid coaches and strong teams out there, but when you hear Shelly's vision for her program and you hear how she genuinely cares for her players and sprinkle a lot of hard work on top of that, and I'm pretty confident that Shelly's going to turn Kentucky into a top 20 team very quickly and be competing for national championships one day soon. Shelly, know that we are rooting for you and Jared at, at Kentucky, and we're so encouraged by the way you walk like Jesus in the arena of college tennis. Friends, uh, we we appreciate you all joining us for episode three of the Walk Like a Champion podcast. If you haven't heard the first two yet, go back and listen to Tom Reese at Clemson and Jamie Hunt at Georgia. They were so, so good. And, uh, you know, we've been stuck uh, in the southeast here for the first three episodes. But next week, we're heading west to Arizona. So I really hope you will subscribe so that this conversation will get delivered directly to you. It is a joy to host this podcast and lead Athletes in Action's tennis ministry. We are working to bring the good news to the world of tennis. And so if this podcast has touched you in any way, or if our work aligns with what you are all about, we would love for you to join our community. Uh, we want to partner with you. You can help us by sharing this episode and tagging us at AIA Tennis on Instagram. And if you want to be praying for our work and receive updates, you can simply send me your email. Our team is going to work very hard to put out high quality content and bring on high level champions. So it would be a gift to us if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. And just please, if you're willing to share this just with one person who is on your heart right now, this could help this message spread now, remember our champion, Jesus, he gave everything so you can experience new life in him. Know that your life matters, your walk matters, who you look up to, copy and emulate, it matters. Look to Jesus and take your next step in walking like a champion. <laughs>